Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your off-season home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also find us at bleedcubbyblue.com. And our Twitter is a really cool place to be. We blast all of our episodes and related content there. That Twitter account is at Cup of Cubby Blue. My name is Sarah Sanchez. You can find my words about baseball and the Cubs on Bleed Cubby Blue and my thoughts on baseball generally on Short Relief at Baseball Prospectus. Hi, guys. I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I am working on a piece right now, and I am a contributor for Cubs Den. And um, also, I have a lot to say on Twitter these days. So uh, I definitely make sure you follow me and Sarah because we still are on Twitter quite a bit, even though baseball is not happening right now. Oh, yeah. We tweet all the time. <laughs> Sometimes at each other. <laughs> and sometimes it's a problem. Like, sometimes I need to, like, put the Twitter down and step away. Um, okay. So I just want to – I almost feel like I should offer a warning to people here today. But, like, this is a st- this is a sign of how my day is going today because I've been, like, a little cranky, a little tired, trying to get into the holiday spirit, whatever. Um, but the most – the best thing that happened to me prior to recording this podcast, because recording with Andy is always the best part of my day, is – Drew Maggery, formerly of Deadspin, releasing the Hater's Guide to the Williams and Sonoma catalog. <laughs> what? Oh my I god! I don't even you... know what you just said. Oh my god, Andy, this will blow your mind, and I am <laughs> I am letting our listeners know this is out. So, for anyone who uh, is aware, who's in the know, you know that Drew Maggery every year would write the Hater's Guide to the Williams and Sonoma catalog. And it's the most beautiful thing that is written on the internet every year. And every year I read it and just crack up laughing. A couple of times I've made the mistake of reading it on the train. And I'm just like laughing hysterically crying on the red line as I read this. But this year I'm waiting. I'm waiting until after we record because I didn't want to just take over this entire show with tidbits from the Hater's Guide to the Williams and Sonoma catalog, but it still exists. It's not at Deadspin anymore. It's at Vice. And I'm just going to read like one snippet to give you an idea of what you're, of what you're looking for. And then I'll, I'll let it go, but we will definitely blast a link to this from the Cup of Cubby Blue account. Andy, am I like, is your reaction correct? This is not a thing you knew about? No. Oh my God. I apologize. I'm a little out of it anyway. So I'm like, I'm half here, you guys. And my brain is half elsewhere, but I honestly have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Well, Your life just got a million times better because the Hater's Guide to the Williams and Sonoma catalog is incredible. Um, (laughs) Okay, here's my snippet. I I had to like kind of creatively like find a piece that didn't have swear words in it because, you know, but but I did. So all my efforts to drown this yuppie trinket hive in the toilet have seemingly been in vain. In fact, last year, I myself nearly died before this company did. And I'm a sturdy fellow. I work out. I'm an elliptical trainer five times a week. And I occasionally eat fruit. I am strong. I am invincible. I am man. Alas, I am no match for a company wily enough to sell a Star Wars La Crusette roasting pan for $450. <laughs> oh my goodness. It is kind of it is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> oh, it's totally ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I, I look forward to this every single year. So it's out, people. It's on Vice now. You're welcome. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, haters. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's so fantastic. Um, okay. So this is a baseball podcast, not a I talk about random 
things I like to read during that Christmas was so podcast. random. That was, it was so random. It was, but I felt like we needed it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I Christmas mean, it, break. I listen. I'm with you there. Um, and frankly, the Cubs are not doing a lot to give us things to talk about these days. Uh, as of five o'clock this evening, I am on break for two weeks. And I was like, oh, state of the roster. What are we, what can we talk about? And <laughs> okay, there's not a lot to talk about here, people, but we're, we're going to do the best that we can. Um, I, I'm a fan of the Brandon Morrow deal. I, it, it seems very uh, low risk, high reward to me. When that guy is good, he is very, very good. And the Cubs are going to get a year, a, a year to roll the dice on that um, at a super cheap cost. Andy, how do you feel about Brandon Morrow's minor league slash major league deal with the Cubs? Well, I think for one, we probably need to take into consideration the fact that this man basically went out of his way to say that he wanted to come back to the Cubs and um, provide them with some sort of, um, like he owed them something, like he felt. Some value. Really, yeah. Um, and so he was willing, and this is a minor league deal, a million dollars one year. I mean, you can't say no to something like this, especially somebody that's been good at at any point in his career. This is like you said, very low risk, high reward. You know, he has an opportunity to, you know, come into the regular season and possibly even, you know, get some minor league games under his belt because obviously he hasn't seen live baseball action in a very long time and possibly even end up on the major league roster with, you know, and being a difference maker, being somebody that we, we hoped that he was going to be at some point, but I promise you, and I think everybody would be okay with this. The leash is going to be very short with this guy. Um, He's just somebody that has a lot of injury risk. And, you know, if he does come up to the majors and, you know, something starts to give, I, I just, I promise you that leash is going to be short because, um, like I said, he just, he's somebody that, yeah, he can be good when he's good. He's really good, but he's also showed us that for us, he's been more bad than good. So that's the exception and not the rule in this case. I just hope that it works out and he's able to provide something for us and, and come back and show us that he is actually a good ball player because we did not see any of that Brandon Morrow in the very limited time that we had him. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to push back here a little bit. The, the, like, 18, 12, however few games it was that Brandon Morrow actually pitched for the Cubs. He was great. He was locked down. He was throwing 100 miles per hour. He was a he was exactly the closer that I thought the Cubs were getting. The problem is he just didn't have very many of those games. I, I don't remember him ever having a bad game. Like, I don't remember him ever going out there and I'm not to throw shade at Craig Kimbrell, who I'm sure is ready for a bounce back season, but like, I, I don't remember him going out there and just like giving up multiple home runs back to back to back and just being like, what is going on? <laughs> I remember him being an exceptional pitcher who was so fragile. He got hurt putting on pants. I mean, yeah. And, and how many times did we hear that he had made great strides and he was looking to come back in right. two weeks or right. we heard 10 days or we heard, you know, we heard a lot Throwing of off things. the mound, Andy. That was my right. thing. Throwing yeah. Off the oh mound. yeah. I remember we used to start <laughs> off episodes with that. Like, yay. We heard he threw off the mound today, you know? And that was, that was the highlight of that day because we were so excited to possibly get him back. And every time we found him back at square one, basically, you know, with no explanation. So it was left up to our imagination to figure out what the heck was going on with him. So 
I just hope, you know, that we are able to see some continuity there and, and get him for a good amount of time and him to be able to prove himself at the minor league level and, and make it back to Chicago and, and actually be a difference maker. Cause that would be amazing if we could make that happen for a million dollars on a minor league deal. I, absolutely. And and if he winds up contributing at the level he showed flashes of with the Cubs, the level he had with the Dodgers in 2017, I mean, that would be great. Ideal. <laughs> Ideal. I'd be, very, it would be ideal. Or I'd be very excited. Yeah. At this point in time, I would, I would be, I mean, that, that would be amazing. That would be the highlight of this off season thus far. I mean, sad. there is no highlight for this off season. I mean, the Brandon Morrow deal, I, I started with that because it's like the best thing we have to talk about. I'm going to, I'm going to lead into the, these next names with a, with a couple of notes. The first is that after the Cubs signed like their fifth random, like, I don't know, he's a fringy guy and could be okay to a minor league deal. The other day, I, I decided to start a poll on Twitter yesterday. And my, my question to Cubs Twitter was, will the Cubs sign a single player for more than $4 million this offseason? Oh my goodness, and, that is such a fantastic question. And, on, and it is currently 68.1% no, 31.9% yes. And every comment, including some comments from people who are longtime listeners and friends of the show who I like very much, is something like, only if they trade someone, only if they clear some cash with a trade. And I'm, mm -hmm. it kills me that we are in a position where the Cubs cannot pay somebody $4 million to play baseball on the north side of Chicago. <laughs> well, I mean, here we are, you know, it... it... I don't know. It's, it's so, it's so disheartening. Like every day that goes by and another name gets signed and another name gets signed. And I feel like a lot of these names are getting signed to Milwaukee or the Reds. Like yeah. this division is going to look a lot different next year. And especially if we don't do anything, if this is what our off season is, this is wow. This is, we're in for a very rude awakening. If this is what our off season is going to be. I mean, so so let's put some names on Andy's pessimism there. And and, and you all know, Andy and I are not pessimistic generally. Like, we're pretty – we're Cubs fans through and through. We're always we're, – we're realists, but we're, like, you know, optimistic realists, I think. Um, I was going to say, I'm being realistic at this point in time. This isn't even me being pessimistic, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying not to. Like, I, trust me, I am the silver lining girl. I will find the silver lining on anything. There is no silver lining here, people. We have done nothing like the gauge. If you think about it has not moved at all in the positive for the Cubs this off season, it has moved a little bit to the negative. We have not replaced a Cole Hamels. You know, we, we, we have a hole in the rotation right now. I mean, there's options there within the team, but are they going to be viable options that are actually going to be consistent and win us games? I mean, you guys, this is serious. This is like for real. We need to, it, it needs, we need to all get like a, a real, realistic brain happening because you can't, we, I can't be, you know, the, the Cubs cheerleader all day, every day when they can't put, you know, a really excellent top of the line product on the field. It's just, it would be silly of me to try and think that way. I mean, the Cole Hamels example is a good one because admittedly when he was playing and he, he tried to rush himself back from this oblique injury, he was pretty bad in the second half last year. And frankly, Alec Mills, who I, I guess if I was guessing today, Alec Mills is the fifth starter. Um, Alec Mills looked better than Cole Hamels. He got a couple of his starts late in the season when it looked like the Cubs could compete. 
I might be interested in seeing what Adbert Alzali could do in those positions. Um, I, after that, like what Tyler Chatwood starting again? Is that where we're at? I mean, that's I kind not. of what I was getting at. But I don't, at. I don't, I know, I don't want to go down that road, but that's kind of what I was getting at. I mean, we obviously have options out of the bullpen that, you know, at one point had started, but it's like, I mean, do we really want to go down that road again? Because I think we all agree that starter Chatwood and reliever Chatwood are not the same Chatwood. And the reliever Chatwood is the Chatwood that we want to keep. We don't want starter Chatwood back. So I, I really, I really hope that something gives here soon because we're going to start to see some of these difference maker names come off the market and none of them are going to be to the Cubs and you're going to see them fall into the hands of people like the Cardinals and the Brewers and the Reds, people that we need to beat to even have a chance at playoffs next year. So I mean, this is this is me just being realistic. Totally. And, and it's not like the Cubs aren't adding depth in the minors that is intriguing. We talked about Joel Cotton with Rob Nyer last week. And, and, and there are there are like pieces here that are moving that are intriguing, but none of them are MLB ready, absolutely going to be on the roster for opening day. All of them are flyers. It feels like all the Cubs have done this year is take flyers on minor leaguers. So I'm going to name some names that have joined the Cubs since the last time we talked. Um, Danny Holson, Ian Miller, Hernan Perez, and Noel Cuevas. And if you saw that there was an outfield outfielder that the Cubs signed with the initials NC and got excited, well, Noel Cuevas is not Nick, Nicholas Castellanos. <laughs> There's there's a couple other names that that have the initials NC and it's not Nicholas Castellanos. <laughs> I we're going to talk about Nicholas Castellanos in a minute. Al wrote a piece about whether the Cubs could actually be trying to figure out a reunion there. I, I at this point I, I'm pretty sure they can't do it. Like I feel like it it mathematically doesn't work. I just it's real hard to get excited about this. I I'm trying. <laughs> I know. I, listen, I'm going to, and actually I'm just going to bust through with this because I, we were talking a little about this before we started recording and just like the Gio Gonzalez news, this could go away quickly, but I want to hurry up and say it before it does. Apparently we are in right now on D Dallas Keuchel, but we are up against some other teams that obviously have money to spend and we do not. So who knows? Who knows? We could truly be in on D Dallas Keuchel, which he would be a great addition to the rotation and you know, would be somebody that would be, could be a solid starter. So, um, you know, but like I said, I love being linked to all these guys. I love having, you know, like Gio Gonzalez. I, I read something this morning that we were in on him. And then like an hour and a half later, I read he was signed by the White Sox. So that was very short lived. Um, but I mean, it, that's how fast these things are going to happen. And if we don't make some moves or clear some, some, some money, we're not going to be able to be in on anybody. We're going to get stuck taking flyers on all these minor leaguers. I just don't believe they're in on Dallas Keuchel unless I know you Dallas don't. I could tell when I first told you that you were like, no way is that happening? <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to will this into existence. Can you tell? Because I like <laughs> Dallas Keuchel and last year when there was talk of the Cubs needed to be interested in him, I actually liked that. I thought that was a good idea. He, he looked pretty good at the end of the season and I feel like he's somebody that would work well in this rotation. So, um, I mean, I hope it happens, but again, I mean, it could be blowing up right now as we're recording this. I'm a little nervous about Dallas Keuchel, only because Keuchel is another pitcher who's like a soft-tossing, lives-on-the-corners type of guy, and I'm like, wow, how many soft-tossing, lives-on-the-corners guys can the Cubs have? 
<laughs> it's true. He's got it's a great the whole beard, rotation though. except for you, Darvish. It's like you, Darvish, and a bunch of guys that throw 89. <laughs> yeah. But he's got a good beard. I mean, I like the beard. He does have a good beard. And I miss Jake Arietta's beard. So maybe Dallas Keigel's beard could replace that. Oh, my God. Speaking of guys who throw 89, I just have to say, uh, and this isn't in the notes, so I apologize. I'm kind of springing this on Andy. Did you see Pitching Ninja's best alter ego for 2019? Uh, I feel like I might have, but it's not ringing a bell. Okay. So Pitching Ninja's be- best alter ego for 2019 is Kyle Hendricks. But Kyle Hendricks, if he <gasps> was like yes. emotional yes. and talked a bunch yes. of trash. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I did see that. And when he walks off the mound and he says, I'm a, I'm a dude, bro. And he's got like a cigarette hanging out of his mouth with like, (laughs) like something crazy for his eyes. Oh yes. I did see that. That was phenomenal. That was phenomenal. Like so so well done. It's so so funny. There's a part of it where they're like, um, where Kyle's like, I'm going to play the, I throw 69 game. And he throws a curveball that's like 68 miles per hour. He's like, just missed. (laughs) And then he, Listen, like, nails it on the next pitch. It was so good. I'm actually looking it up right now because it's so good. So good. You guys have to go find this. It is, like, literally, it's, like, a highlight reel of um, Kyle Hendricks, like, pitching. And then every time he, like, throws a pitch, if it's dirty or if it was, like, you know, caught a corner or, or broke real hard, it was, like, him, like, ad-libbing, like, in cartoon. Oh, my gosh. So good. You guys have to go find it and watch it. It's so good. Yeah, it's like thought bubbles of like if Kyle yes, Hendricks swore yes. and talked trash. Basically, if like the way Madison Bumgarner acts on the mound, if Kyle Hendricks did that, <laughs> yes, it's so good. I will never be able to watch Kyle Hendricks pitch again without like these like thought bubbles. Like right? it will every time he walks up the mound, I'm going to be picturing him with like a cigarette dangling out of his mouth. <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. It's it's one of the greatest things that I've ever seen. I'm oh my not gosh, even. Like, okay, so I have to say this, and excuse my language. It's not a terrible word, but he says, "Hey, a grown ass man named Scooter." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure I've said that before on my couch. Like, I oh no, God. like, look, I'm sure Scooter Jeanette is a very nice person, but like Scooter, like, how do you go by that? <laughs> and then he I... says. And then he threw a pitch and, and uh, Scooter Jeanette swung at it. And he's like, you're just a little late there, Scooter. <laughs> just oh a bit I needed to laugh so hard. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. I needed to laugh. That was so great. So Yeah, great. totally. Uh, we will be blasting the Pitching Ninja Best Alter Ego for 2019 um, from our Twitter account. So be sure you're following if you haven't seen that yet. Um, the reason... The thing I want to jump into before the break is why all the Cubs have done this year is sign the Ian Millers and Danny Holtzins of the world. And I, it has to do with the luxury tax. There's been a lot of ink on the luxury tax recently. Um, Al writes pieces periodically. Al writes excellent pieces on this. He does a really good job tracking the uh, player by player salaries, what their luxury tax contribution is and what that means in terms of the different tiers. And and I just want to take a step back and talk about this for one second, because I think one of the things that people don't appreciate enough about the way the current collective bargaining agreement structures the luxury tax is that there it's, it's an escalating series of penalties that also escalates over years. And our friend Brett Taylor at Bleacher Nation put together a pretty good piece that came out today 
that illustrates this in a way that I don't think most fans understand when they talk about, well, why can't the Cubs just go over the tax or it's only the first threshold, not the second, whatever. So a couple of things. The first is that there are penalties at three different levels for the luxury tax. And the third level basically functions as a cap at this point because you lose draft picks and nobody wants to lose draft picks. Um, but the in addition to that, the number of years you're over the tax also escalates your penalties, right? So if you're over at one year, you pay a certain amount. If you're over at a second year, you pay another amount and you lose out in certain league revenue sharing schemes, et cetera. Anyway, Brett does a really good job of quantifying this for what it means for the Cubs. And when we're all talking about like, yeah, it's only $6 million, just spend it. It's actually not only $6 million. (laughs) Like we're talking closer to, over $20 million in terms of the hit that the Cubs would take if they can't get not just under the second tax, but the first tier, that first $208 million tier. And the thing that's crazy about that, that I don't know that people have understood is that they're not under that today, that the Cubs would need to drop about $3 million in salary if they wanted to get under that first tier and have all of the timelines and penalties reset. And I throw that out there, Andy, I'm curious about your reaction to this. Like I throw that out there because everything we've heard this year is that the Cubs are looking to move people, right? Like that they're, te- they're testing the market on Chris Bryant. They're testing the market on Wilson Contreras. And, I, and I've been vocal and out there that like $4.5 million for Wilson Contreras. Are you kidding me? But maybe <laughs> if this is the goal, that's why this is such a big deal. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Andy? I listen, I am when it comes to stuff like this and it comes to luxury tax and it comes to like all the numbers behind um, the madness, it to me is is kind of overwhelming. And yeah, I'm one of those people that I'm like, okay, you know, open the checkbook, write the check. We know you have it. Um, Take care of business. Let's go. We need to put a solid product on the field. But at the same time, obviously, you know, that's not just the case because if that were the case and it weren't happening then you know we we have we have bigger problems i i just i don't love this side of the game i hate that there's all you know obviously they need to have it but i just feel like it's so silly because you have teams like the new york yankees who they get this tax bill and they're like okay no problem who do i make the check out to you know what i mean like they just don't care they just keep piling it on and then you see other teams and that's kind of why this league gets so lopsided and that's why baseball i feel like it's very lopsided because you continually see and with the drafts and and they try to make it fair and they get um i forget what they're called but they get the picks where they try to even play or even out teams talents and stuff but to me it just it doesn't it having the luxury tax and having limits on it and still, you know, paying the taxes to break the, the, the limits on all the salary caps and everything else. To me, it just seems silly because obviously they need them, but I think they need to have stricter penalties for them. And I hate saying that being that I'm a Cubs fan, because obviously we're way over the luxury tax, but at the same time, you know, baseball is becoming a sport where it's like the NBA and all of the talent can only go to certain teams because those teams are the only ones that can afford the talent. And you see that the league get a lot, very lopsided. And unfortunately, because we're in the situation we're in, we could be on the wrong side of that again this year because 
we do have a huge tax bill and we can't do, we don't have a whole lot of wiggle room, if any. Um, and that's why we keep hearing, you know, we have, we don't have any money. We don't have any money. We don't have any money. Well, we know that there's money and we know that they're finagling their way around it and how they're doing that. We may never know. Um, but it's just, I don't know. It's the whole thing just seems very, I get it. I get why it exists. I, I work in the financial industry, so I get the business behind it, but it just seems like there are certain teams that have the power to just write the check and move on and take the hits and not care. And I just don't know that it makes sense to have limits like that or to have penalties like that when um, it's not really doing anything, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, other than breaking teams and putting teams like, you know, the Chicago Cubs in a situation where we, you know, we can't spend, we can't get back to where we want to go because, you know, we're spending all this cash and we're way over the, or we're, we're spending all this money on the luxury tax and, you know, we, we really have nothing to show for it right now. I mean, so Al had an article today um, on Bleed Cubby Blue and talks about how the Cubs, Red Sox, and Yankees all had to pay luxury taxes this year. And the Red Sox are paying $13.4 million in a season where they didn't make the playoffs. The Cubs are playing, paying $7.6 million in a season where they didn't make the playoffs. The Yankees did make the playoffs, but also finished with a $6.7 million bill. The reason I bring this up is because it may be that the luxury tax is doing something, if it's true, that the Red Sox are looking to move Mookie Betts, which would just be a... I, I can't even imagine the incentives to move one of the top three players in the game because of these taxes and hits and we need to get draft picks back and he's going to be a free agent soon. I mean, it's the same exact argument that we're hearing in Chicago about Chris Bryant, right? But if the result of this tax structure is that the Red Sox move their best player because he's not going to sign an extension and become a franchise player, and the Cubs are shopping their best player because he's not going to sign an extension and become a franchise player. It certainly does have an impact, has a huge impact. That's two free two people who shouldn't be free agents for two years that clubs are willing to walk away from rather than pay a tax that is less than what they make in salary. And for, for reference, um, Al includes a helpful note here that that $7.6 million tax they paid was basically what they paid Steve Ciszek in 2019, to put it in perspective of, like, what type of player and what type of performance you're getting from that. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a different situation than what I was referring to. And I don't, you know, because we're, I mean, we're obviously in a situation where something similar can happen to us, where we might have to cut ties with somebody like a totally. Chris Chris Bryant, because we need to free up some money and to be able to do anything this off season. I mean, that's definitely the other side of it, but you know, it's just, it's so frustrating as a fan because I want to just watch the game. I just want to watch people go out there with their glove and their bat and just hit the ball and field the ball and make a good throw and have an exciting play. I just want to, I just want that to be baseball. And now there's so much more to it. And there's the business side that you have to know about. You have to know the numbers. You have to know the salary caps. You have to know the luxury tax. You have to know all of that stuff to know why your team, you know, and, and to not get so frustrated why your team is not doing everything they should be doing to, to get back to the promised land of 2016. I mean, that to me is just, you know, and maybe that's me just dumbing down the whole thing, but I just want it to be about the game. And unfortunately, there is a huge business aspect to this. 
that people forget about and people think it's, you know, well, the Ricketts on the team, open the checkbook and, and pay the tax and let's go move along, you know, game over. Come on, you know, just write the check. But, you know, like you gave many examples and Al always does a great job of breaking it down. Um, it's just not that simple and that's just not the way it is. And you see a lot of teams get affected by things like that in, you know, great examples, Mookie Betts and, and Chris Bryant. So, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens and where this offseason takes us with all the luxury tax talk, but it's definitely something to watch and to kind of study up on. And I apologize that I'm not more on top of the numbers and, and specifically how I feel about, you know, that those particular players, but, um, it just, like I said, I'm just one of those people, like, I just want baseball to stay between the lines. And unfortunately, in this day and age, that's not the case. I think that's a great place for us to take a quick break. On the flip side, we are going to talk about the Yankee Schwarber rumors and a little bit about this ongoing war between Major League and Minor League Baseball. But first, a word from our sponsors. All right, uh, we're back. So... <laughs> Since it hasn't been stressful enough this offseason to, like, read these constant Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras trade rumors. P.S. Yes, I wake up every single morning and, like, check my phone to make sure Wilson Contreras is still a cub. <laughs> I, it, it's driving me crazy. I'm actually going insane. Um... I hate it. I'm, like, counting down. I'm, like, 98 days to go. 98 days to go. He'll be a cub on opening day. Um... They decided to throw another screw in the works here. I, this isn't really news. The Yankees have been interested in Kyle Schwarber for a long time. He profiles as somebody who would hit millions of home runs in their stupid short porch field. <laughs> they don't really want to pay the Cubs what he's worth. Oh my gosh, you're so great. I was just <laughs> going to say, we're, we're never going to get the return on him from the Yankees that we think we're going to get. Like, I think Cubs fans would consider this deal if they could get you know, like three somewhat notable players. And that's not right. going to happen. The Yankees I mean, will never do that. I, I I posited this question on Twitter when I saw the rumor. And the number of people who replied with, we want Glaber Torres back. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just going to say. I'm like, you people are nuts. <laughs> and I mean, I get it. Like, but nuts. The Yankees are giving the Cubs Glaber Torres for Kyle Schwarber. I, exactly. Come on, guys. Come on, dose of reality. Let's go. The other thing here is, and, and, and I'm being a little bit more serious for a second. I don't think that the Yankees and Cubs match up well on a trade here. Um, on, on, on really any of these candidates, except maybe like a KB upgrade for Andahar. Because th they don't need Wilson Contreras to replace Gary Sanchez. Wilson Contreras and, and Gary Sanchez are shockingly similar players. Sanchez is a slightly better framer. Wilson is a better defender in terms of things like pass balls and um, throwing guys out and that type of stuff. There's, there's just not a big need there, right? Uh, Schwarber, they don't need an outfielder. <laughs> like, I was going to say, where the heck are they going to put him? Where are they going to put him? And they already the have a Yeah. So they would need to train Kyle Schwarber to play first base or something, which, look, could happen. I'm not saying that he couldn't. We've all seen Kyle Schwarber make leaps and strides in left field but it just doesn't really feel like they match up well in terms of that and what the Cubs really need are starting pitching prospects which I'm not entirely sure who the Yankees would put on the table there for the Cubs um I don't know it just doesn't feel like these two teams match up aside from 
the Yankees rumors will always persist because someone in New York will look at Schwarber and the way he hits the baseball and how far he mashes pitches out to right and be like, we want him in New York. Well, I mean, part of this could be too that the, his like nickname at one point was like Schwarbino, wasn't it? Oh, I still call him Schwarbino. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I, I don't call him that, but that, I mean, that could be that, you know, that they just feel like that's a natural thing he should be on the Yankees if he's going to be called Schwarbino. <laughs> I just remember my brother um, in 2016 during the like Andrew Miller, Araldus Chapman, everything conversations every time just like give a Schwarber and I was like not a chance. <laughs> There's no world where Theo is trading you Kyle Schwarber for half a season of Araldus Chapman. Um, well and not only that but I'm sorry he was freaking amazing in 2016, like to come back for playoffs and do what he did and be like, not just on the field. I'm talking like inspiration wise. You think that that didn't light up those guys when they saw him come back after his ACL injury and, and play the way he played and come through with his clutch hitting. I mean, there's no way, there's no way that we win that world series without Kyle, Kyle Schwerber. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Um, Kyle Schwarber was a difference maker there, and it was so insane that he came back at all. Like, who just watches 2,000 breaking balls in a pitching machine is like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, season I mean, off, I'm good. Like, seriously, like, I get chills still thinking about it, and I always, like, hear the natural music play when I watch highlights, you know what I mean? Like, from 2016 when he's playing. I hear the natural music. You know what I'm talking about when I say the natural oh, yeah. music? Yeah. I, I just think of that because I'm like, that is so like far-fetched that anybody can do that. And, and, and that would happen. Like if somebody would have told me that before it happened, I would be like, no way that there's no way he's coming back. No way. And then for him to come back and, and play the way he played, I just, he's one of those people that I don't care what team he ever ends up with or goes to. If that happens, he is a lifelong cub. Like he just is somebody that will always be a cub. Yeah. Schwarber is one of my favorites. I, I don't want him to go anywhere. Um, but I, you know, we got to we got to talk trade rumors. It is the off season, and that was prominent this last week. Um, the, another piece of news that is really out there, and I wrote a little bit about this earlier this week, is this whole fight between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball in terms of cutting the number of teams and what that would look like. And, and my piece looked at this from the perspective of something I, I find stunning about this, which is that Congress, who cannot. I swear to God, they can't agree what day it is. <laughs> like the, our Republican and Democratic Congress people would argue about what blue is right now. Um, but <laughs> they, 106 of them have signed a letter to Rob Manfred saying, we do not want you closing down our teams. And Congress actually has one of the largest um, sledgehammers, in my opinion, to hit Major League Baseball where it hurts in terms of being able to limit or take away entirely baseball's antitrust exemption. And so I, I took a look at what exactly the antitrust exemption is, where it came from, and what it might mean to take that away, and if Congress might be prepared to do it. Uh, I got some good feedback from some really smart baseball people on Twitter about how it just doesn't look like the votes are there yet, and the votes might never be there. Uh, this would be a huge, like, massive thing. <laughs> for baseball to even consider, but it's worth knowing a little bit about what that does. It's the antitrust exemption was one of the reasons, one of the arguments that um, for example, came up during the Cubs lawsuit against the rooftop owners. It came, comes up 
anytime the Oakland Athletics think they might move out of Oakland because of stadium conditions, those types of things. It has a lot to do with more than, you know, just like whether or not somebody could come in and start a new professional baseball league, which clearly is not really a thing that's going to happen in this year, 2019, or anytime in the near future. Um, so, so take a look at that. I don't know, Andy, what are you thinking with this major league, minor league war? I mean, you know, we, and we've talked about this on a couple episodes and, you know, there's just so many things that people don't really look at as far as how this affects, um, these small towns and the folks that are operating these teams the people that have jobs because of these teams, the revenue it generates around the ballparks. I mean, it, it, there's just so much to lose here. And for, you know, Manfred to be toying with this is just a major downer to me. Like, you know, like you said, and I just love this so much. We need a commissioner that loves baseball because this is like, I mean, I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not even going to say that, but he's just, he's so the things that he's kind of um, showing us that we're getting glimpses of him. I just feel like he's somebody that um, is not necessarily trying to help the game of baseball. I think he might be viewing it too much as a business, which I get that you have to do that. But in order to have this sport be as popular as it needs to be to have it thrive again, um, in the cities where it's at, as far as major league teams are concerned, there has to be that minor league presence. There has to be that small town presence. And, you know, it, it just seems like so un-American, I hate to use that term, so un-American to want to do away with, you know, that many teams, that many communities that depend on those teams for jobs, for revenue, for whatever. It's just, it's, it's really it's kind of scary if you think about it because what does he go after next like if if this doesn't go through and he doesn't get his way with this and he doesn't he decides okay fine you're not going to budge on that what does he go after next you know so I don't know it's just I agree with that it's a little scary this guy has a lot of power and he obviously does not have um the you know promoting the sport of baseball in mind so just you know be weary of that if you ever decide or think that maybe he's on to something and he has a point, just be weary of that. That's just something to me that is a little alarming. Totally. Um, and we'll, we'll make sure to tweet this out from our account, but the uh, deputy editor at BCB today, Josh Timmers has a really great piece looking at the dynamic between minor league baseball and major league baseball. He also looks at the statements that have gone back and forth between the two, including like just this bizarre re-raise by Rob Manfred earlier this week, where he basically said that they could just sever their relationship with all of the minor league teams entirely. And he looks at what that would mean in terms of all of those clubs becoming independent, how baseball would have to rebuild its farm system from scratch, the history of like how the minor and major league teams came to their agreements in the first place. It's fascinating stuff. And I highly recommend people read this piece. But it's also worth keeping an eye on because, like Andy said, I think that it it gives us an insight into what Manfred is willing to do as a commissioner and how he views running the game of baseball. And I, I frankly find it a little bit scary. I don't think he cares about the game at all. I think this is all him being a being a lawyer for some of the richest individuals in the world who happen to own baseball teams. 
And his entire job, in his opinion, is to make them as much money as possible, whether it hurts towns, players, the minor leagues, whoever. And I find it kind of, I find it totally disheartening. I think it's terrifying and I think it's bad. Um, And I think that the same stance will come up in the CBA negotiations and that will be a threat to the game that we all love. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely alarming. It's something to keep your eye on and um, just kind of, you know, see where we go from here, but it's, it's, you know, you want the sport that you love, you want people to love it and especially the people running it. So it's, it's, it's kind of hard to watch and you hope that at some point in time, you know, there is a, a shift or he has a change of heart or we see indications go a different direction. But yeah, I mean, this is definitely something that, that scares me. I totally agree. Okay. That was a downer. <laughs> I'm not here for downers today. Let's end on a high note. Um, if you live in the city of Chicago on the North side of Chicago, uh, our friend, friend of the show, Danny Rocket is getting some people together to go Cubs caroling uh this weekend and honestly it's one of the most fun things i do all year i'm kind of a homebody i like to just sort of read and write and you know do my thing at home and going outside and singing uh in public is not really my jam normally but i went last year it was so fun (laughs) and i'm definitely going again this year so if you happen to be in the chicagoland area um you should join some cubs fans to check out cubs caroling on the 20th it's going to be sort of nuts. These are all uh, Christmas carols that you probably know from your childhood that have been rewritten with Cubs lyrics. And <laughs> you go to the bars in Wrigleyville and sing those songs. <laughs> oh, I am so angry that I'm not going to be there for this. We will uh, take a video of us singing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is kind of up my alley. Uh, Andy, you would kill this. Like, you'd be <laughs> the bell of cubs carols it would be awesome oh my gosh you guys are gonna have so much fun um but we will make sure i'm sure there will be videos on twitter i will make sure that we do a shout out for andy um but if you live in chicago you should definitely check this out um and one other fun announcement before we sign off before the christmas holidays um we'll be doing a look back at 2019 and a look ahead to 2020 Uh, before the end of the year. So during your Christmas break, probably on the 29th of December, we will have one more episode for you for 2019. And we have an incredible special guest for this one. You will not want to miss it. So I'm going to leave it as a surprise. It'll be like our Cup of Cubby Blue present for all of the listeners who have helped make our first year so awesome. But definitely make sure you are subscribed so you do not miss our special look back and preview uh, at the end of the year. Well, I also need to tell you, in true Andy Cruz Vanasek fashion, I am not good at keeping secrets, but I will keep this secret. I will just say, if you watch <laughs> Chicago Cubs baseball, this will be a voice you know. That's all I'm going to say. And I just got chills. Okay. <laughs> and we're recording on my birthday. So that's really cool, too. It's going to be awesome. It's Andy's birthday. We're going to be looking back and looking ahead. It's going to be outstanding. Um that is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find us, as always, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at BCB underscore Sarah. Andy is at BRYZ underscore Blue. We are both at Cup of Cubby Blue. And we still miss the Cubs, but it's less than 100 days to opening day. So we're making it. We're, we're going we're gonna to be okay, guys. <laughs> have a good one. Bye.